You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. What is the state of our state? The governor is about to answer that question later today. The lead. Around 2 o'clock this afternoon, Governor Doug Ducey will deliver his State of the State address, and you're going to be able to hear it live right here on KTIR. In it, he is expected to unveil his priorities for Arizona when it comes to education and the economy, just to name a few. We may also hear a little more about a possible income tax cut to our state. And joining us right now out there live at the scene at the Capitol is KTAR News Senior Reporter Jim Cross. Good morning to you, Jim. Morning, Pamela. So lay out for us a little bit more what we're expected to hear from the governor later on this afternoon. Well, we're expecting to hear about that, uh, you know, possible uh, income tax cut uh, individuals. Also, education funding is expected to come up, but we don't have a lot of details. He's saving that uh, for the address. Uh, Infrastructure expected to be big. Uh, Public safety. Uh, he was on with uh, KTR's Gatos in the afternoon uh, last week and said that he wants uh, more money for more troopers out on the highways and part to combat this epidemic that wrong way driving has become. Yeah, with a billion dollars in that rainy day fund, he's got some money to play with. Thank you so much. Again, that's KTAR News' senior reporter, Jim Cross, live with us out at the Capitol. Here in the studio with me this week, all week long, is Barry Markson filling in for Bruce St. James, who was off this week. And Barry, yeah, there's a lot of money that the, the state has got at its discretion. Where do those dollars go? Who gets the most of it? Um, we're expected to hear some of that plan today. Yeah, I mean, this is where the governor kind of lays out his priorities, uh, Pamela. It's going to be interesting. There, there's a billion-dollar rainy day fund. The economy is doing well. More tax dollars are rolling in. Uh, but a lot of folks out there think their thing should be the priority, right? Whether that be schools, whether that be tax cuts, whether it be public safety, there's all sorts of places people think this money should go. Okay, so let's talk about tax cuts, in particular income tax cuts, because uh, last week the governor said that he was interested and may propose an income tax cut here to Arizona. I look uh, to tax reform to to the real people in the state of Arizona. It's why I like to focus or see where the opportunities are on income tax. This is how you affect real people in a state. And stay tuned to State of the State to see how we're going to do that. Yeah, we all are going to stay tuned (laughs) to that State of the State again coming up 2 o'clock here today on KTAR. We're going to carry it live for you. But um, I thought that 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 part right there, when when he talks about the real people, well, that's pretty much anybody who's got a paycheck, right? Right? Those are the real people out there that he's referring to. I hope so. And um, I thought that he made an interesting point as to what the state overall is competing with. If you look at like our neighbors, yeah, obviously we got a lot of folks coming from California here because their tax you know, situation over there, not so great. So businesses and individuals moving here to Arizona. But from a business standpoint, uh, we're competing with a lot of other states and around us that, well, just don't have any income tax. We're competing against Nevada, who has zero income tax. We're competing against Texas and Florida, who have zero income tax. Yeah, this is uh, the governor's, it's always been his big thing. If you remember, Pamela, when he was running for his first term, so I'm going back five years, he proposed eliminating Arizona's income tax. And the reason was he wanted to be able to compete with these other states, the Floridas, the Texases, uh, Nevada, t- states that don't have income tax because he thinks that attracts business owners. And let's face it, it probably does. But the thing is, those states, they get revenue somewhere, right? I mean, they're running the state just like Arizona is. It's just taxing it in a different place. 
So we'll see. We'll see the governor proposes. There's going to be more tax cuts. There's been tax cuts for five straight years, really before that, too, before there was even a Governor Ducey, there were tax cuts. But there's always tax cuts every single year. You know there's going to be probably a little more money going to education, K-12, through maybe some more going to the universities this year. Uh, there's going to be some more, obviously, going to DPS and law enforcement. We'll see. I think you said taxes about five or six times yeah. in, 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 in that discussion be because taxes are going to be a topic. I would take to the bank. We will continue to see a call for tax reduction. That's the word from President and CEO of the Arizona Chamber of Commerce, Glenn Hammer, ahead of the governor's State of the State address this afternoon. Hammer says with the extensive rainy day fund, dollars will find themselves back where you want them. This is the final year of the governor's 20 percent by 2020 plan to increase teacher pay. There will also be a lot of extra money for additional assistance. I would expect there'll be uh, other things in the budget for K through 12. Yeah, there's going to be more than that as well. Um, you know, the governor is going to look for, uh, certainly education is going to be a hot topic. But one thing he's looked at the last year or so is infrastructure improvements, Pamela. And if and if, if you ever go up to Flagstaff, you're going to start to see this now. You know how I-17, it's kind of a bottleneck a lot of times. A lot of traffic, if there's an accident, the freeway just closes. It comes to a stop. They're talking about adding a third lane going most of the way up there. That's going to be a big improvement. That'll be a big improvement. We've had the big improvement of the Loop 202 South Mountain exchange. Right. They're opening up as well. And, and and even with that, you know, last week we had Colonel Frank Milstead, director of DPS, on, and we were talking about um, the decrease in drunk driving arrests around Arizona. And is that because fewer people are getting behind the wheel of a car, which would be good, or is that we have fewer troopers out there to catch those who are getting behind the wheel? And you had Colonel Milstead that said, yeah, you know what, there is a bit of shortage for troopers out there, whether it be troopers or deputies mm-hmm. or officers. To, to get folks that make that bad choice. So what you're also hearing here is for public safety that with that rainy day fund of, you know, a billion dollars, the governor is going to have a lot of leeway as to where he wants those dollars to go and, and, and then actively, you know, um, propose those types of policies. Yeah, it's, it's always a it's always a big tug of war in Arizona it, it, because nobody wants to raise taxes and we haven't done that in quite some time. So as a result, we have kind of a limited pool of money. It can grow when the economy's better, but then it contracts when the economy's not as strong. And if you raise, if you start spending more now, for example, if you hire a bunch of DPS workers now, and then the economy contracts over the next several years, now what do you do? But I mean, that's the same argument you're going to make for uh, education. Yeah, well, everything. You know what, if you are spending more money, putting it into classrooms, giving it to K through 12 education, kind of getting us back to that 2008 level, then um, those are commitments that you're making long term, which I think a lot of people would, would venture to say that that should be a commitment that we're making making long term. The 20 by 2020 plan that the governor put into place that he gets a lot of credit for, hence the like the education governor out there, um, the moniker that he routinely hears is, is something that um, a lot of people are going to be looking at here because, again, the education of our kids, the economy and the income tax, I mean, all affect people personally. Yeah, I, I don't expect to see the governor uh, or the Republican legislature use that that rainy day fund. This isn't the time for the rainy day fund. They'll probably grow it. They're probably going to add to it, is my guess. They're going to save that for when the economy contracts, not now as the economy is expanding. There'll be more money available than they think anyway. There'll be additional funds available to do more things anyway. My guess is they actually make that rainy day fund even a little bit bigger and still get some of their other things accomplished. Here's a little bit more of what Governor Doug Ducey had to say last week when it comes to that rainy day fund. But we are in a dramatically different position today with the rainy day fund balance, our credit rating, the amount of debt that we 
we've paid down and the size of the general fund. Listen, this is good. This is all very, very yeah. good. You know, when when Governor Doug Ducey steps to the podium at two o'clock today and you hear it right here on KTIR, the state of our state is strong. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. It, it is. We're in a really good position. There have been many other state of the states address that governors have given in years past that would love to be in the position that Governor Doug Ducey is in this afternoon. But again, two o'clock, you're going to be able to hear what he has to say right here on KTIR. And no doubt we will be talking about it tomorrow as well. Well, a disgraced Arizona lawmaker is back. Is he here to stay? Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Crazy AZ. The absurd Arizona stories that make you wonder, is too much sunshine a bad thing after all? Yeah, when you're talking about a former state representative, David Stringer, he became one of our crazy AZ stories last year. I've got Barry Markson helping me hold it down here today and all week long. And Barry, towards the end of 2019, Bruce and I took an entire week and we dove into the crazy AZ stories, the stories of the year that, again, had just scratching your head and wondering if too much sunshine is a bad thing. And David Stringer was among our top crazy AZ stories of last year. Nope, it's not because he said this. 60% of public school children in the state of Arizona today are minorities. That complicates racial immigration because there aren't enough white kids to go around. Nope, it wasn't because of the not enough white kids comment. It wasn't about this. Immigration today represents an existential threat United States. No, it was about an ethics complaint following reports that he was charged with sex crimes in a 1983 case that was later expunged. Stringer apparently paid young boys under the age of 15 money to perform sex acts and allegedly molested some boys. That is what led to him resigning from the state legislature. Well, he may have resigned, but he hasn't gone away. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) a... What's what's the word I'm looking for here? I I think it's he's delusional. I mean, this is uh, crazy. He resigned in disgrace. They were about to vote him out of uh, of the legislature. Uh, He had all sorts of allegations against him, in addition to the racist stuff, about uh, apparently prior criminal acts, right, Uh, against children and, and young boys. I mean, the whole thing's just a mess. And now he wants to run not just for public office, he wants to run for law enforcement office. He wants to be a prosecutor in Yavapai County. Sheila Polk's been up there for about 20 years, Pamela. She's a great prosecutor, been around a long time, very well respected in the entire state. Uh, as far as I know, she's running again. Unless but she some, has, I don't think she's filed. She hasn't filed? Oh, well, nope. maybe then she's not. It's going to be interesting. He's he's criticizing her, saying she's focusing too much on low-level offenders, not enough on bigger, more comp- complex. I mean, there's no evidence of that anywhere, but... Here's somebody who wants to have his, his name in the paper, I guess, uh, more, I guess. He can't stop. I, I, think he you, can't stop. I think you nailed it, Barry, that it's delusional. Yeah. It is delusional. And I, I wonder, like, how is it that David Stringer sees the state of Arizona if he thinks that the people of Yavapai County, in particular, would vote him in to be the Yavapai County attorney? Like, how delusional do you think that the people in that county would be? Yeah, it's well, look, here, he's got name recognition. That's for sure. I don't know. But for all we, the wrong reasons. I, I want to say they'll never Not do it. Not all name recognition is good. I want to say they'll never do it. But let's face it, in Arizona, we've elected many people who we look around and say, really, that's who we're electing right no, now? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, Again, has you scratching your head? Yeah. We've elected people who've been accused of crimes and and even convicted of crimes. We've elected people who've done things that are they're being charged with federal crimes over and we've reelected. 
elected them. Uh, none of things seems to slow down the Arizona voters sometimes. Yeah, but you know what? Like, facts matter. And, and what... He had his his record in Maryland expunged. It was expunged. And I remember when we were talking about this and diving into it because the Phoenix New Times back, you know, in, in early 2019 got their hands on this report, right. which is kind of interesting as to how that even happened. But we were diving into it. And I remember having a KTAR legal analyst, Monica Lindstrom, on. And she's like, there's no way that this record should have been expunged. Yeah. And the, the fact that that it was, and luckily, you know, we've learned about it. You don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know that this guy was super creepy, and when I talk about super creepy, I mean, just like, go back and read the police report. It is Creepo Factor 10. And, but we now know. Yeah. All right. I- and now that you know... I don't think he gets. I don't think. Don't he, put this guy in office, especially as the prosecutor. I don't think he wins up there. I, I really don't. Look, he he hasn't been around long enough. He was a first term legislator when all this happened. I don't think he has the following that other people have had. I don't think people up there are going. I love David Stringer. This guy's so great. He's. It, but I will tell you, when you talk about people who run for office, don't they all have just a little bit of this thing where they think they're the only ones who can do it? They just have that ego. level of ego. To, oh, right. Absolutely, it's really kind of amazing. Right? If this was a normal person and that you had been this publicly embarrassed, wouldn't you? Just crawl under a rock, stay in your house. You wouldn't come out. You certainly wouldn't run for public office. The last thing you would want was your name to be in a headline ever again. You know, that's the argument that I had made a long time for former Maricopa County Assessor Paul Peterson. This is the uh, the guy who got wrapped up in this whole adoption scheme with Marshallese babies and then was charged with felony accounts in three states, including like selling of children in, U- in, yeah, in Utah. But it, it was one of those things, Barry, where if you read that account and you go back he was called on the carpet in 2006 down at the at the Capitol about some of these adoptions that yeah. were going on with Marshallese babies. And the judge decided to allow these adoptions to go through because they were in the best interest of the kids. But he was doing some shady, shady stuff and was called on the carpet in 2006. Not only did he not stop doing the shady, shady stuff, he ran for public office. Yeah. Kind of to your point, too, with David Stringer, like when you get kind of called on the carpet with these things, don't you? Just try to lie low yeah. and, and, and kind of go away and don't draw any attention to yourself. Well, but he did that for a long time, right? Because yes! it was 2006. So 10 years, he goes away. We don't see him and then comes back. Nobody reported that. I didn't see that anywhere when he was running. He's running for it's it's we forget. And on top of that, a lot of times we don't care if we like the person. Otherwise, you like his positions. Look, we see this every day, even these days, Pamela. People seem to be able to look aside, look away when someone's doing something disgusting because you agree with them on something else or they're in your political party. If Stringer's running against a Republican up there, if it's Sheila Polk, I, I don't think he wins. Loses. But if he's running by himself or against another no-name, That's what no-name, scares me. Who knows? That, that's what scares me because I think that now you're touching upon something that's really important. Yeah. And that is, from, from all that I've been able to put together thus far, I haven't seen that the current Yavapai County attorney, Sheila Polk, has filed paperwork for re-election. I haven't seen that yet. So that that, that clues me into maybe she's running for a different office. Maybe she wants something else. And then there'd be a gap. And if there is a gap and you have a Republican like David Stringer step in, um, a lot of people just look at the R or the D and oh, not yeah. the makeup of the person. And that's where you that's where then when 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 stuff hits the fan yeah. and you look back going, how did 
this guy get in? Well, yeah. because you didn't do your homework in putting him in. Yeah, there'll be there'll be other Republicans who will run also if, if Sheila Polk decides not to run. Other lawyers will step up and run. The only concern there is name recognition. You're gonna you know his name. We keep saying his but name. For all the wrong reasons. I know, but when people get to the ballot box, they forget why they know. They just know. Oh, I know that guy. Boom, they put him in office. Oh my goodness. Got to pay attention up yes, there in Yavapai County. Absolutely. You know what? We got to pay attention just in this country in general because I personally believe that America is the greatest country in the world. But many people disagree with me. What? We're going to tell you why, Barry. Again, Barry Markson helping me hold it down this week as Bruce St. James is off. He and I are going to dive into that coming up next here on KTAR. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. This song always gets me. I mean, just always does. Uh, plain and simple. And, and and I thought it was a great song to kick off this next segment because there's some new research out there. It was done by the Pew Center. And it asked this question. Which of these statements best describes your opinion about the United States? The U.S. stands above all other countries in the world. U.S. is one of the greatest countries, along with others. Other countries are better than the United States. Barry Markson helped me hold it down this week, all week long, as Bruce St. James is out. Barry, I was surprised at the results of that question. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess it's always been like this to some extent. There are people who think the United States isn't the best country in the world, um, but it's growing and it's growing among young people. And I guess we should be asking ourselves, you know, why is that? Um, the interesting thing for me is that there are more people comfortable saying that the United States is not the best country in the world than those who are comfortable saying we are. And I mean, there's an awful lot who say we're just as good, that we're as good as the best other countries. But the percentage of people who will say the U.S. is the best is actually smaller than those who will say the U.S. isn't. Let's give you some of those numbers right now. When it comes to we stand above all other countries in the world, we are the best. 24% of those surveyed said that. 24%. One of the greatest countries. You know, there are many. We're one of them. Yeah. That comes in at 55%. All right, so that's 79% of people who say we're the best or, or we're the best with others who are also the best. Which leaves about 20% that are saying there are other countries out there better than the United States. And when you really break that down, there is an age gap to all of this. Um, obviously, that those that are older feel that the United States is among, if not the greatest country on earth. But when you get into a, the, the younger adults, 18 to 29, you're breaking them out specifically 36 percent say that there are other countries out there better than the united states yeah look i think that's just like a lot of things though pamela right you're less experienced when you're that young you haven't traveled outside the country most likely you haven't experienced things you haven't heard you haven't heard as much Uh, you know this this has been going on with young people since forever i mean go back to the vietnam war times when the young people were protesting and we weren't the best country and everything here was awful those are now the older people who are saying, yeah, we live in the best country on earth. So I think things change as you get older, as you get more life experience. I would agree with that. But I also think that it's also it's an example of the bubble that so many people live in and particularly young people out there. When you take a look at traveling and traveling internationally, I think that that's where you get a very unique perspective. You and I both have traveled internationally. And while I've traveled to some third world countries, but others, like Ireland, for instance, not a 
third world country. But after being there for, you know, a period of time, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go back to the United States. And I remember those those feelings. I don't know if you've had it, but like when you come back home yeah. and you're back in the United States, you're like, <sighs> yeah, it's like waiting to exhale. And when you find out that overall, not just young people, overall, 40 percent of Americans have never left the country ever left the country. 40%? 40%. Wow. And I mean, when I say left the country, folks, that is including Mexico, which I know a lot of you have gone yeah. and traveled to. Yeah, that's international. So you know, Canada, same thing. 40% have never left the country. Yeah. That gives you that gives you a very one-dimensional look at the world. Yeah. I, look, I think a lot of young people make statements like this because they're looking around saying, hey, other countries have free health care. Other countries have free college education. And they look at those things and say that makes those countries better. I mean, I, I was actually in Cuba a, a couple of months ago, and I remember Michael Moore did a thing some time ago mm-hmm. where he went undercover to Cuba with U.S. Uh, uh, United States citizens who had health issues and they didn't have health insurance and they couldn't get their health issues addressed here and took him to Cuba and got him treated because he was trying to make a point. I was in Cuba. Yeah, they may have free health care. You can't get in to see anybody. They, can, they don't have medications that you need. It's, there's a whole bunch of poverty there. It, you don't want to be there. So it's, there's a lot of other issues. And Pamela, I was just in Toronto uh, last, uh, at the end of last year for business. Toronto's a very metropolitan mm-hmm. city. It's very nice. I mean, the weather stinks, but it was very nice. But you're right. I had that feeling as soon as I got back. It's like, man, thank goodness I'm back in the U.S. It's, it, just, it, it just makes you, it, it's you, better. Makes you feel it, at home. It is better. It is better. And things are easier and it's nicer. Yeah. And it's not just all that. It's like the freedoms that we have here. Absolutely. I think that those are the freedoms that a lot of young people take for granted. They don't realize the sacrifice that right. came for those freedoms. They don't appreciate the gravity of those freedoms until you travel, until you become a little bit more worldly. But I thought this was interesting. Interesting about the survey as well, Barry. And it's this. Regardless of party affiliation, because again, you, you can understand and, and just kind of extrapolate from this that Republicans, you know, have long felt as though this is the best country in, in the world, and Democrats see a lot of the fractures and things that can be so quote unquote improved. So there is a political divide yeah. on this country. But regardless of that political divide. Americans appear less likely to say the U.S. stands above all other countries and are more likely to say other countries are better in surveys conducted online versus over the phone. Ah. I find that interesting, too. It's like you're embarrassed to what? Maybe not say it out loud. Physically say it. Right. It's easier to check a box. Yeah. Well, it's the anonymity of the Internet, right? We talk about that all the time. I thought some of the other interesting things in this, though, were were fascinating to me. 11% of people, think about this, about 1 in 10 Americans have never traveled outside of the state they were born in. I mean, imagine that. You've never, forget about going out of the country. 1 in 10 haven't even left the state they were born in. That's amazing these days because it doesn't take, this takes a car. Right. I mean, or a bus. I mean, it doesn't take all that much money to get out of state. And they haven't even done that. That's that to me is kind of surprising. And that's overall Americans. I'm sure that if you get down into that younger demographic of 18 to 29, you probably see that number go up. Yeah. And again, that goes back to the bubble argument that I'm making and people living in that bubble and not stepping out of that bubble to see how others unlike them live and get that different kind of perspective. But it's also important to point out that young voters are what's going to be key to winning in 2020. You know, for the longest time, you take a look at who are candidates 
candidates targeting? Well, they target the older voter out there. Why? Because they actually show up to vote. Well, we see in the last midterm election that the youth vote increased in all 42 states for which there was voting data available. So you, you see that from 18, 2018 and 2016, that the youth vote went up nearly 30 percent. These are the people that more and more of yeah. these candidates are going to have to bring into the tent, so to speak. Still so low, though. Only Even with the increase, only 28.2% of young people voted. That was almost double from what it was in 2014, but still it's less, double. less than 30%. Sure, but you also look at doubling it. You yeah. know, how do you no, want to look right. at it? Do you want to look at it's less than you know a third, or do you want to look at they've doubled it? And will we see that again in 2020? All right. Well, a lot of people, you know, New Year's resolutions, trying to lose weight, focusing on those love handles or that stomach. Do you need to lose some weight in your tongue? What? Yeah. (laughs) And how could that benefit your health? I didn't even know that you could have a fat tongue. Is that just me? Am I the only one? We're talking about it next here on KTAR. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Yeah, you just heard uh, Bob McClay talk about the Oscar nods this morning. We're actually going to have Bruce St. James call in from vacation. Yes. At uh, 10.15 to give us his take on it because I don't know if you knew Barry. But he is part of the Phoenix Film Critics Society. I'd heard that. He tells, uh, you think he, so? He tells me that three or four times a, yeah. a show. When yeah, I'm you here, and I so. both, buddy. You and I both. So, uh, yeah, Bruce is going to be... I'm not asking many questions about that, though. This is our chance to get to the just the inner Bruce St. James. We're going to interview him. be a strong Isn't interview. Yeah, Break it down. Yeah, to be interviewed on his own show. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, you're hearing there, Barry. Barry Markson is going to be in for Bruce, who's out all week long. And I came across this one. And let me just ask you this, Barry. Yes. Did you know that you can have a fat tongue? I did not know, but I would, I've always thought my tongue is my best, uh, you know, it's my thinnest, most, it's, your, fit, it's yeah. my fittest feature, Pamela, yeah? because, oh. because it's always uh, flapping around, so it stays in good shape. You use it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, um, there are a lot of folks out there right now that suffer from sleep apnea. Yes, okay? that's true. And there's this whole thing done that... You know what? If you lose weight, it helps with your sleep apnea. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, that's yeah. like one of the take better care of your health, so on and so forth. But one of the reasons why is because you lose fat in your tongue, and it makes it easier <laughs> to sleep. Who knew? I can't be alone in not knowing that we have fat in our tongue. Who knew that? Who knew that? Come on, well, seriously. apparently, like you put on weight, you don't think. I feel like my tongue is bigger in my mouth than it used to, to be. Talk and you know, my tongue. Yeah, is not, right. No. You don't think that, no, right? No, you don't no. think that. And and when you go on your New Year's resolution, yeah. it, it's not to, it's not to you know. Well, my my tongue put on a couple you know uh, a couple centimeters. I'm gonna work on. The, I got to work on. It's about your your hips, your butt, your thighs, right. things along those lines. But I did find this to be interesting because I know that so many of you out there suffer from sleep apnea. They they took a group of people, right? All with sleep apnea. Some they put on a diet, others they didn't. And then they went in and, okay, who was able to reduce the amount of instances where they woke up in the middle of the night not being able to breathe, blah, blah, blah. All right. What they found out is if you lose weight, you actually are losing 
part of your tongue, you know, uh, girth, whatever. And wouldn't it suck if you like lost five pounds and you couldn't see it anywhere because you just lost it in your tongue? Wouldn't that be awful? That would be you yeah. like, like the t- you're, you get on the scale. Like, I'm down five pounds, but, go? but my pants are tighter. Yeah, I don't not, understand what's happening you're not right losing now. Losing any inches, anything along those lines, and and it's not like you can spot reduce or anything, right? <laughs> you know, like nope, I want to sleep better. So how do I exercise the tongue? Here's the other really weird thing. I mean, there's so many things that we're we're learning about here, right? Yeah. Um, so the researcher that, that really dove into this, and, and she's a, a, an assistant professor of sleep medicine at Northwestern University. So we're talking like legit stuff here that, um, you know, yeah, overall weight loss is important. There's no way to spot reduce. OK, we talked about that. And that tongue liposuction it's not in the cards. It's, there's not just big clumps of tongue fat you can suck right out. Is that what no, you're saying? No, how about this? They describe it like it's more like a steak that's marbled. Oh. Who knew? Oh, my. Well, that's like when you order a beef tongue at the deli. Ah, and they, have you ever they, had that? Uh, you know, I didn't have it for no. like almost my entire life. Then? And then I tried it, and it's it's pretty good. It, it is pretty it good? It tastes like meat. It's meat. Tastes like chicken? <laughs> it tastes like beef. It just tastes like it was beef tongue. It tastes like beef, but it sounds so disgusting. It's like, who's going to eat that? That's a tongue that needs to, have to work out a little bit, obviously. It had a little too much fat built in. You got about 25 Ugh. million Americans that have this obstructive sleep apnea. 25 million. And if you have a family member, like I do, who suffers from sleep apnea, you know like the, the, the toll that it takes on them. I mean, before you even get diagnosed, I mean, you're just exhausted at the end of the day. And it's because you're not sleeping well throughout the night. And you know that like weight loss can be something that really helps you out with that. But why? Yeah. I'm, I'm really inclined when somebody tells me to do something, tell me why. Yes. All right. So if you lose weight, it's going to help your sleep apnea. Why? Now you know why. Well, now you know why losing tongue fat. So you know. Again, just stop there. Who even knew that your tongue could get fat? So you know that you know there's a, a new study they're looking at, and another way to pinpoint the tongue. And we have, I think we have an advertiser on KTR that does this, but it's cold therapy. You can freeze the the tongue. Don't do this yet. It hasn't been studied enough yet. But if you freeze it, it'll kill off certain the, the fat body cells, the fat body deposits in your tongue and shrink your your tongue fat. You know, as soon as you said that, what popped into my mind, A Christmas Story, which yep. is like my favorite Christmas movie of all time, like when his tongue uh, gets stuck yeah. to the pole, stuck, 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 <laughs> stuck. Yeah, with the frozen tongue. Yes. Yeah, things you didn't know you needed to know. Tongue fat (laughs) is keeping you awake at night. You've been wanting to say tongue fat all morning. I mean, come on. Who knew? (laughs) I had to worry about that now. All about the tongue fat. Oh, man. Okay. Well, you know what? Um, Do you get more done when you work from home or when you work from the office? The reason why we're talking about this is federal employees are being called back to the office. Yes. I know a lot of you are listening, shaking your heads, going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Stick around. we got some details on that. And uh, we want to hear from you on our open mic line, 602-200-2733, if you're one of those federal employees that have been called back. It's coming up next here on KTIR.